Galatians chapter 5. This is uh, of the nine <clears throat> fruit pieces of fruit. Today's number eight, and then we'll wrap it up next week. But here's what it says. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Jesus Christ have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. So since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. When the Holy Spirit controls our lives, he produces this fruit. Today we're going to talk about gentleness. And each one of these words have come to mean far more than even I thought they did, uh, having gone through the text many times throughout the years. Each time I find something I hadn't seen yet or seen before. I made a comment in some of the messages that there are some theologians who've kind of categorized these nine pieces of fruit into three different sections. Love, joy, and peace deal with the inner attitudes in our life that are anchored in God. Our inner attitudes are anchored in God. Our love, our joy, our peace, that comes from God himself. And so our, that inner attitude is anchored in him. Secondly, patience, kindness, and goodness. And these are relational qualities expressed to others. This is how we want to, the kind of people we want to be. We want to be patient and kind and good. And then faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control are personal qualities that guide us. We want to be people who are faithful, gentle, and exercise self-control. So I think there's something to be said for that understanding of these nine very important pieces of fruit, fruit that is given from the Spirit. Ephesians 4 says, be completely humble and gentle, be patient bearing with one another in love. There's an example of what patience and gentleness look like in Matthew 21 when Jesus is coming into the city and they put down the palm branches and he's coming in on a donkey. So see your king comes to you gentle, gentle, and riding on a donkey and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. So all, all of a sudden you see this, the most powerful human, God in flesh, to ever come to the planet. There was no greater power that's ever been here other than Jesus himself. And yet he comes into this situation very differently than other powerful leaders might have done in times past when a leader would visit a community or whatever. They would come in with an army of people. They would come in with the large horses and the gear and all that came with being a warrior or a leader. But not so Jesus. Your king comes to you gentle, riding on a donkey. Uh, 38 or nine years ago, the pastor that had hired me of our, in our little church to be the youth pastor, many of you have heard this, and uh, I'm repeating myself more and more these days, and it's just not bothering me yet. So, uh, <laughs> so I'll never forget when the pastor who hired me uh, left and moved on to another assignment 14 months after I got here. Church was very small. And so they looked at me one day and said, would you be the interim pastor? And I said, what does that mean? And it said, well, you're going to speak because we can't afford anybody else. That's what that means. 
and that was true, and so that's what I did. Now, thank God, Chuck Swindoll was a phenomenal pastor. I tell this story in our Get to Know Us events, but Chuck Swindoll was a pastor I've always respected so much, and he was, he's written some great books, continues to write them. So I did some of the most incredible Swindoll book reports for about a year that you would ever have had a chance to hear. And uh, so I love this guy. So when I went to one of his books, I knew he had spoken about these pieces of fruit, the fruit of the Spirit. And so I want to tell you what he has to say about it. In our rough and rugged individualism, we think of gentleness as weakness, being soft and virtually spineless, but not so. Gentleness includes such enviable qualities as having strength under control, being calm and peaceful when surrounded by a heated atmosphere, emitting a soothing effect on those who may be angry or otherwise beside themselves, and possessing tact and gracious courtesy that causes others to retain their self-esteem and dignity. Instead of losing the gentle gain, all that away. Instead of being ripped off and taken advantage of, the gentle come out ahead. And I thought those words were so true. But it's so counterintuitive from our emotions, from our feelings at times, and it's so very easy to lash out as our first act of defending ourselves or defending a position or, or stating something we believe strongly. The Greek word for gentleness actually comes from two words. And the first word that uh, comes, defines this Greek word gentleness, is the, is, it actually means humility or considerate, having meaning. It refers to things as objects or people, words that are gentle, soothing uh, medicine, soothing actions, soothing feelings. The other Greek word is, actually means to have a, a decent outlook on life, a good citizen, an admired person, a trusted individual. So you mix those two together out of the Greek New Testament and you get that word gentleness. Plato called this word the cement of society. So the Greeks defined gentleness as power under control, very similar to humility. They're, they're similar, but they are not the same. And the word picture then was that of a horse that had been tamed. You see, gentleness was to them a powerful animal whose passion and power was fully and completely under control. It's a great picture to keep in mind. So what does the fruit of gentleness look like in our lives? What's it look like in our relationships? What's it look like in our church? What's it look like around the Thanksgiving table? What does it look like Christmas dinner? The next five or six weeks, we're going to have prime opportunities to be gentle or to be jerks. You need to decide now which one you're going to be. Because the opportunity to be a jerk comes up so quickly, before you know it, you're being a jerk and you didn't realize you'd stepped into that mud. There's going to be many opportunities at times whenever there's gatherings of people. And it's not just between Thanksgiving and New Year's Day. It's throughout the year. But this will be a moment where we gather a little more than we typically might, particularly as families, with friends and neighbors and whoever might be in your home or around a table in your home. 
We will have an opportunity to practice what those of us following Christ claim to believe. We will have an opportunity to have some love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness, especially if we practice self-control. But I want to encourage you, just as we spend time preparing these gatherings, getting a house ready or getting the table ready or getting the food ready or whatever we all do to, to prepare for a gathering, we need to add one other item on that list, and that is practice gentleness before it's too late. Gentleness. Paul writes in Philippians 2, let each of you look not only to your own interests, but also to the interest of others. Your attitude should be the same as that of Jesus Christ. That ought to stop you in your tracks right there. That's our prayer right there. Lord, please help me to have the same attitude of Jesus, especially in these coming days and weeks. Your attitude should be the same as that of Jesus Christ. And what do we know about this? his attitude? He took the very nature of a certain a servant. He humbled himself even to the point of death on a cross. Now think about it. Think of each of us living with one major objective, and that is to serve one another, love one another, put others' interests ahead of our own. Jesus said it really clear. I love to say it. It's absolutely true. The world will know if we are following Jesus Christ in the way we love each other. Now you decide what conclusion has the world drawn these days, even about people who claim to follow Jesus. There's some things I think we need to understand about this word gentle. There, there's just some things that come with it that we need to be aware of. If I, if I want to really have this fruit, if I want to take this piece of fruit and truly invest in it, and, and all nine of these qualities, if I want to aspire to be all nine of those, they've been put in each of us where Jesus Christ lives. Jesus said, I will put my spirit in you. I will send my spirit to be with us wherever we go. That's your decision. That's the most important decision you'll ever make. Are you a follower of Jesus Christ and have you opened your life to him in such a way that he will then do what he's promised to do and give you his spirit, which happens to be loving and joyful and peaceful and kind, patient and good. But that's your decision and I hope you would be making that decision or would consider making it if you haven't. Because frankly, I have enough difficulty as a, hum a frail, sinful human being to get these right, even filled with God's spirit. I can't imagine trying to fake these as if I just on my own am going to be this automatically. You know that's not true. And you know that can't happen. So what, what does it look like when we're gentle? Well, I think a couple of things. One, I give up my right to be right. That's a hard one. We give up our right to be right. In other words, there might be a tendency to have some debate or even partly an argument, I suppose. 
And we have to decide in advance in, in, in specific situations. There are certain situations that we can certainly be more ourselves and more at ease and more comfort. And we're around people, our closest friends, or maybe our family members where we can really kind of be ourselves. We can vent. We can say what we feel, even if it's not very nice, you know, about someone else. But we kind of say it because we're protected by family who understands us and may understand, well, you're just having a bad day or, well, you know, you need to cool off or whatever. You can do that as a family and hold each other a little bit in check. It's when we're around others. It's when we're in the workplace, when we're out in public, when we're around a table filled with relatives, some we like and some we don't. <laughs> Not at my table. Maybe yours. There are just times, the less said, the better. And when my family hears that part of this message, they're going to be bent over double laughing, calling me a hypocrite and a fool. I've never found many words I didn't want to use. We have to give up our right to be right. If we're going to truly express gentleness, then there are certain situations where we want to be a contributor, but we're going to give up the right to be right. That's why we avoid certain subjects or certain topics because they will always bring something wrong. They will always bring heated discussion. They have a tendency to turn the entire thankful moment into a disaster. There are times we just need to understand we can give up our right to be right. If we really want to be gentle in situations, that could really go south pretty quick. Second thing I think gentleness does for us, it, to me, it's gentleness. It's displayed in how I then act. I give up my right, but then I've got to act. I've got to put the proper action behind that. Paul writes to the Ephesians and tells them to be completely what? Humble, gentle, bearing with one another in love. And again, in the Bible, gentleness is often used as the opposite of such words as harsh, unrelenting, strict, severe. Bearing with one another in love means you hang in there with a person. Forgive when it's hard to do. Be kind when kindness is undeserved and hard to give. When the attitude of your heart is in the right place, our actions will follow. And if the way we act reflects the work of Jesus Christ in our life, his gentleness at work in our life, people, we will be people whose energy is focused, people who offer grace to each other, people who encourage rather than condemn, people who give and receive that's the power and strength gentleness has. So we give up our right. We also want to live out what we believe. And we want to live out our behavior as a gent. We want to live out the gentleness we know that exists from the spirit in us and can be controlled and guided by that same spirit. And then gentleness is also going to be displayed, obviously, in our conversations. Paul, Paul said himself, he said, let your conversation always be full of grace, seasoned with salt, so you may know how to answer everyone. And what does salt do? It preserves, it melts ice, it brings out flavor. In conversations, do our words, do, are our words seasoned with salt? Someone once said, never enter, a, uh, never enter a life except to build, to encourage. The modern translation is like this. If you don't have something good to say, don't say anything at all. James writes in chapter three that our tongue is like fire. The power of the tongue brought under control can be used to strengthen and encourage and guide 
And every time we open our mouth, whether in our homes, workplace, or churches, every time we have a choice, think to yourself, will these words that are getting ready to roll out of my mouth, will they help or will they hurt? Will they build up or will they tear down? Are they manipulative? And I know it's manipulative and I'm trying to just get a little point in there to think I'm going to get to a larger point. Don't go there. Surely we all have the ability, my antennas are especially sensitive when I know I am being manipulated. It can be a very subtle thing. It can be very hidden. It can look like love. It can look like kindness. It can look like maybe being helpful. But there's a difference. Don't sit at a table with people, particularly family, and particularly with those you're not sure where everybody's coming from. And and let's just say I'm just going to go punch Jesus into the mix of here into the middle of it, you know, we're going to get, that's the best testimony we can be sometimes is to be quiet, is to be kind. I've had much better luck when people ask me, tell me, tell me what all this being a Christian means to you. I I can tell there's something about you that's different. What is it? I love those conversations, but I'd rather be asked then not be invited and invite myself in and say, I'm going to tell you about Jesus because you need it. And there are some people in churches that view that as the primary way to do it. We pray for gentleness. We lay down the right to be right in these difficult situations. We want to be clear about, and we want to act what we know how Jesus would act. Remember the tables he was sitting at throughout the, throughout the scriptures, throughout the New Testament? There were times it was harsh words and they were needed. There were times it was kind words. A lot of the kind words were were saved for those who might have interrupted the dinner, coming to Jesus, falling at his feet, or asking a question or whatever, when he would be very kind to those because the people at the table were not being kind. We have to follow his way. Will my words help or hurt? Will they build up or tear down? So we pray for gentleness. Not the dictionary version of gentleness, But the Holy Spirit's word, the biblical word, gentleness. Matthew 11. Come to me, Jesus says. All you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, because I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you'll find rest for your souls. So he's letting us know He will bring us the gentleness that we're praying for and the kindness because he is that. He is gentleness. He is kindness. Titus 3, verses 8 through 10. This is a trustworthy saying. And I want you to insist on these teachings so that all who trust in God will devote themselves to doing good. All right, this is Titus chapter 3. These teachings are good and beneficial for everyone. Do not get involved in foolish discussions about spiritual pedigrees or in quarrels and fights about obedience to Jewish laws. Those were their hot topics of the day. They'd talk about spiritual, you know, try to out-impress each other about how spiritual they might have been, how knowledgeable they might have been, Or then they would get into all the quarrels about the laws of the land, the Jewish laws for the Jewish people. These things, Paul continues, these things are useless and a waste of time. Let me just 
take that down a notch. Don't get involved in foolish discussions about spiritual things. That could cause a quarrel. That could be disruptive. Someone sees it differently. They may be wrong, but there are times that is none of our business and it's not our job in that moment to point that out. There are, the, there are right times and there are wrong times to be open about our love for Jesus Christ. And there are times the less said, the more opportunity we might have to tell the story of Jesus. Sometimes though, too much is said and the opportunity is lost. These things are useless and a waste of time. If people are causing divisions among you, <clears throat> give a first and second warning. After that, have nothing more to do with them. Now, you think that would be someone that's trying to argue maybe Christianity. No, I'm thinking of the Christian who's just being unrelenting. They've got somebody they're holding hostage at their dining room table. And they're going too far. Do we believe what they might be saying? Sure, I believe it, but there's a right way to say it and there's a right time to say it and there's a wrong time to say it, and there are wrong ways to say it. The Holy Spirit's gentleness, what we're aiming for, what we're after here, the Holy Spirit's gentleness is wise. The wisdom that comes from heaven is pure, peace-loving, gentle at all times and willing to yield to others. So the Holy Spirit's gentleness that he puts in us, this fruit that he has given us through his spirit is wise. The spirit will help us be wise in what we say or what we don't say and how we say it, how we approach relationships, how we approach other people, how we approach those who see things very differently than we do. Now, so far I've got friends all over, all over the gamut of, of people. I have friends that are Atheists, Buddhists. I have friends that are straight, friends that aren't straight. And I'm glad I've got those people in my life. I'm glad I'm their friend. I'm glad they're my friend. But all it would take is for me to begin to bear down on how wrong I think they are about something and it's over. I'm willing to wait 20 years if that's what it takes, 30 years if that's what it takes for the chance to have an opportunity for the Holy Spirit to have done some advanced work that I might get that question that I would love to be able to someday answer. What is it about this Jesus? We try to do the advanced work. We become the Holy Spirit. And we do the advanced work and we say things that are not going to be helpful. The Holy Spirit's idea of gentleness is it will help us to be wise in the way we interact with others, the way we live. It's peace loving, it's gentle at all times, it's willing to yield to others. Secondly, it's humble. Biblical gentleness is humble. Look at Paul. As a prisoner for serving the Lord, I beg you, lead a life worthy of your calling, for you've been called by God. Be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowances for each other's faults because of your love. That's what gentleness looks like. Titus 3. 
Remind your people to submit to the government. Boy, this will go over big. Don't go there. Just don't go there, folks. The next six weeks, zip it. Remind your people to submit to the government and its officers. And you think ours is so bad, ours looks like Sunday school compared to that one. Remind your people to submit to the government and its officers. They should be obedient, always ready to do what is good. They must not speak evil of anyone. Did you get that? Please don't forget, you can memorize that verse right now. They must not speak evil of anyone. Put your name in there. I must not speak evil of anyone. Have that ready. And they must avoid quarreling. Imagine that. And we're so good at it. They must not speak evil of anyone. They must avoid quarreling. Instead, they should be gentle and show true humility to everyone. Does that mean I'm a coward if I'm going to be this? No. It means I know the right time to say something. I know when God's nudging me to say something that might be helpful and also know when the Spirit says, not now, Marty. Don't go there. Not now. And the times I've, I've disobeyed that gentle, don't go there. And I went there anyway. I've always regretted it. Always. They must not speak evil of anyone. They must avoid quarreling. Instead, they should be gentle and show true humility to everyone. So gentleness is wise. It's humble. It's rewarded. Blessed are the gentle, for they will inherit the earth. It's rewarded. And number four, that another benefit. What, what is gentleness to us? It's the nature of Jesus. It is the very nature of who he is. Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Scott McKnight is an author, a theologian, seminary professor that I really enjoy. Uh, one of my favorite books is one he's written quite a while back that if you're, um, if you're not sure where you are with Jesus, I would encourage you to read his book, The Jesus Creed. It's a wonderful book for those who are uh, curious and uh, not sure yet where they stand. Uh, that's a great book. It's a good book for all of us, frankly, to be reminded of our privileges and benefits as a follower of Christ. McKnight wrote a commentary on the book of Galatians, and I have it in my library. And he said something that I want to read to you. He's talking about the fruit of the Spirit. I pause here to admit discouragement. I do not know about you, but when I look through the list of virtues and the fruit of the Spirit, when I examine such teachings on the Holy Spirit in light of the whole letter, I become befuddled over the church. How can we confess Jesus Christ and the fellowship of the Spirit and live in so much tension in the Christian world? Why is the Christian church so torn and divided, here over theology and there over practice? Why do we know so much of personalities and so little of Jesus? Why is it that the decisive argument against the church for so many is that the church is full of hypocrites, full of dissension, full of denominationalism? To be sure, he says, I am aware that the children of the flesh will find any argument possible to use against the truth of the Spirit because light and darkness do not mix. But nonetheless, he continues, the argument 
It's compelling at times and it hurts. Why is it that Christians claim to have the Spirit but show so little of His power and His love? Why is it that Christians claim to live in the Spirit but spend so much of their time out of step with the Spirit? It is my prayer that God will renew His work of the Spirit and that this chapter would be used by God to that end. Now, you would think he wrote that last week. He wrote that 17 years ago. It's still true. It still makes sense. It's something we need to hear. It's something we need to live. Two thoughts. I'm gonna just bring it back down to this. Two, two things I need you to consider if you haven't already. I've been saying it every week. And that first one is what I've already said. The fruit we're talking about is the gift of the Holy Spirit who's a gift the moment we invite Christ to be the center of our life. That we're going to follow him. We're going to do what he says. We're going to do what he did. Even as frail human beings who will get it right sometimes and we'll get it wrong sometime. But if, you've not, if you're not clear about that, are you a follower of Jesus? And if you don't know, then I would suggest you decide. There's never a a bad moment to make that decision. That's always a good moment. And if you're waiting on knowing more, you're gonna be waiting a long time. Something wonderful will happen when you decide, I will follow Jesus Christ. I will put him at the center of my life. I will focus on him. I wanna know him. I wanna be like him. And I'm gonna let the New Testament in particular guide me to understanding him. The Old Testament has a lot to say about who he would become. But in the New Testament, we learn about who he is and what he did and what he said and what he wants of us. It starts there. And if you're willing to be like him and accept his strength in you, then you can be kind to others and patient with others and gentle like Jesus. Gentle like Jesus. The next six weeks or so are going to give you an opportunity to be gentle and kind and patient forgiving. Pray about it now. Be ready. Stop any manipulative urge you may have to nudge someone to change. Keep it kind. Keep it lighthearted. Go into these seasons being gentle, not weak, but strong in your kindness and love. And people who are far from God will not respond to manipulation, to subtle judgment, and in the spirit of Jesus and his gentleness, release your need to change someone. And be kind. Be gracious, choose love, choose kindness, choose patience, choose gentleness. I love Max Licato's statement. I choose gentleness. Nothing is won by force. I choose to be gentle. If I raise my voice, may it be only in praise. If I clench my fists, may it be only in prayer. If I make a demand, may it be only of myself. I'm going to close us in prayer, and then our prayer teams will be at the front of all of our rooms, available to pray with you about whatever has maybe crossed your mind during the message or during our worship time. And if you're ready to make that commitment, this is a great time to ask one of our prayer team members to pray with you and to pray for you in this new journey. Whatever it is that's on your mind, if you need to hear someone just simply pray for you or for something you're dealing with, please allow us that privilege. So the prayer teams, as they make their way to the front, let me close us in prayer. 
Loving Father, we thank you so much for the power of your word. Father, it's so practical, it's easy to underestimate. And these words that we've been given in this wonderful teaching on the fruit of the Spirit, it's powerful yet simple. Father, we know we can't do this on our own. So I ask those who are already trusting you to increase their trust, to trust at a deeper level, to turn to you and ask for your presence in all that they do and say. Father, I pray that we would be people willing to build each other up and always be viewed as people that will encourage and love whether we agree on things or not, whether we see things the same or not. Father, may we truly, genuinely practice this great fruit called gentleness. And we pray for it in Jesus' name. Amen.